We in. What's going on? What's going on? How's it What's going? up, peoples? How we doing, homies? Welcome to the Chris and Kyle Show. Spoilers, our very first non, uh, non camera based thing, not film of any kind. No TV, no no movie. Yeah. This is a comic book. How many people do you think today? are actually going to watch this episode? I feel uh, like very few. I feel I would say that probably like eighty percent of the people that are listening to this episode, at least like within like the first month or so, are going to be the the rebel kind of people. I don't think that a lot of people are going to track down Green Valley, read it, and then dude, there's not even a Wikipedia page on Green Valley. Really? Yeah, just I was I was trying to I find it just that. to have all the information lined up, mm-hmm. which I'm going to give you right now. So Green Valley is a comic published by Image Comics, which if you don't know what Image is, uh, obviously like everybody knows Marvel and DC comic publishers. Image mm-hmm. and Dark Horse are sort of the two biggest indie comic publishers. They, mm-hmm. they make a lot of independent stuff, a lot of creator-owned stuff, and they're also very um, critically acclaimed, both of those publishers. So this one is Image. Um, it is written by Max Landis, who we've brought up on the show a bunch of times. Uh, our art was... Whew, I might butcher this name, but we're going to try it. Art, uh, artist is Giuseppe Camoncoli. Uh, I think lettering. Sounded all right. Yeah, right. Sounded all right. Giuseppe is easy, but it's the last name. I'm not really sure. Uh, he's from Italy, so there's probably some like legit way to pronounce it. Um, lettering, I believe, was Cliff Rathburn, and uh, inking was, you're the French expert, but uh, Jean-Francois Bolio. Let me see it. Bolio? Nailed it. Yeah. I'm a genius. Um, this comic was nominated. So Jean-Francois was nominated for an Eisner Award. If you don't know what the Eisner Awards are, they're basically the Oscars of comic books. Um, they give them away at the at a San Diego Comic-Con every year. Um, Jean-Francois Bolio, the ink, was nominated for an Eisner for this. And Max Landis was nominated for an Eisner for Best Writer for the year of 20 for the 2017 Eisners because this book and uh, Superman American Alien both came out this year. So he was nominated for best writer that year. That being said, um, I feel like we should talk about Max a little bit before we even get into it. Yeah. I feel, I feel, I felt like that's kind of what this was going to end up being like, we're going to have to talk about, we've brought up Max Max Landis. We've brought up Max Landis a few times during this show. And, we obviously don't know him right? or know anyone that knows him. And there are like tertiary accounts of what he's like as a person or things he may or may not have done that we don't know the truth about. And they've been more in, in like the last like year and a half or so. And he's greatly diminished his social media presence. And he used to be very active on social media and very uh, engaging with fans and stuff like that. And very, very like... Uh, grandiose about his opinions on things mm-hmm. um we're not gonna address that stuff because we don't know what's true and what's not true but, but we, who is max Landis? but what we do know is that max landis is a whether you like his stuff or not he, you can't deny that he's a prolific writer mm-hmm. the dude's output is insane um he's written movies i think the best and most known movie is probably chronicle mm-hmm. he wrote chronicle um he's written a majority of people would also know his dad yeah, his dad, John Landis, uh, uh, director, dad John Landis, director of the Blues Brothers, mm-hmm. the Michael Jackson Thriller video. Yes. 
Uh, there's probably I'll, yeah, he was really big in the, 80s. in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, he was a big 80s director until a, a tragic accident on the Twilight Zone, right? Yeah, Twilight an episode Zone of the Twilight Zone he was directing. Well, I don't think it was an episode. I think it was for the Twilight Zone movie, but it's oh, basically okay. like the Twilight Zone movie split into like different segments. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, during his segment. Um, there's a tragic accident on set, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Max Landis' role in our lives, we've... Uh, have both been big fans of Max Landis and I think really appreciated his sort of openness as a writer. His, his openness. Um, but I would say like most importantly is enthusiasm. Yeah. Right? Super enthusiasm. Oh my God. Well, Max Landis is the type of person that like when you listen to hear him talk, like when, when you hear him talking about writing or movies or whatever, just about stories in general, like you it makes you want to write more, mm-hmm. and, and it's weird because that's how writing. me and that's how me and you feel. But a mm-hmm. lot of people just hate him. Really, he's a very he's like a uh, if you go to certain corners of the internet, his name is like a calling, like putting up a sign to say, "Come hate me," like mm-hmm. "Come talk shit to me." Like he will just trigger this this response out of people that I don't fully understand. Right, and I think it's I think it's I think it comes from a lot of different avenues. One, I think a lot of it is just jealousy. People see like. They point to nepotism and they point to... A lot of people just don't think he's as good as the amount of things he sells. Does that make sense? Right. So I was going to bring up... A lot of his stuff that he's written hasn't been critically taken very well. Mm -hmm. And it's also a really interesting thing to parallel because I was talking about how uh, open he is. He used to be through social media and through the process of things. So he would be openly excited when he finished writing something. And he would talk about it when he sold something he'd be excited be like oh I sold something and I'm really excited but I can't tell you what it is and then throughout the process of filmmaking he would talk about how excited he was when a director was hired on for one of his projects or an actor or whatever and then he would be equally open when something went in a direction that he didn't like but because he's a screenwriter he lost complete control of so a great example is Frankenstein right Mm -hmm. when Frankenstein was sold and then Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy signed on he was super excited for that movie and then the direction the movie went, he was he com- he basically disowned the film. He did a similar thing with Bright, um, and 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 multiple projects. He's done that where he sort of and it's not like a direct thing where he puts out a tweet and he goes, "I no longer support this project." He just stops talking about it. And you, if you followed him closely on social media, you could tell. That's when I knew I when Bright was like I got scared about Bright because I was super excited for it because mm-hmm. I love the pitch I love yeah, the idea of a modern fantasy story with like an orc cop and stuff mm-hmm. like I love the pitch and there's parts of Bright if you watch it where you can tell sort of what is Max and what isn't Max and stuff like that and what is David Ayer and and sort of some it's kind of weird um, I don't think Bright is. As good as the people who like it think it is, or as bad as the people who hate it think it is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's just a super average, maybe kind of below average movie. Right. Um, Joel Edgerton's good in it, though. But it's Joel Edgerton. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What are other movies? Uh, So, like, I'm a big fan of American Ultra. I love American Ultra. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I know you haven't. Um, But I think that's more one of his more, it's kind of got a little bit of a cult following now. People that have, like, slowly discovered it. Uh, that has Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. And it's basically Jason Bourne if he was a stoner. And that's another thing that I think we can bring up. A lot of people, one of the things that trigger them about Max Landis is you say any of his ideas and they basically go, that's just this with this, Mm -hmm. right? It's an amalgamation. It's an amalgamation of two big 
pop culture driven because he's very influenced by popular culture, music, film, TV, all of these things. He he loves things that normal people love. He loves comic books. That dude has an encyclopedic knowledge, not only of comic book characters, but of what makes them tick, unlike anyone I've ever seen. Is there anything else that you want to add about Max Sinus before we talk about Green Valley itself? Uh, I, I mean, I would say like uh, he's also <coughs> someone who is uh, sort of cursed by his own like really quick success because mm-hmm. like, I mean, he said it before, um, like Chronicle was kind of his first big thing. Yeah. Um, semi-separate from his father or whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, b- both a commercial and critical success. Yep. Um, unexpected too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's kind of, dude, his script for Chronicle two is so good. <sighs> I think I read like maybe five pages it's of so it. So good. I haven't gotten around to oh actually reading God. all of it. His power under script is dope. Yeah. That's another one. He disowned himself from Power Rangers too. Mm. And they didn't even end up using his, they basically like based the final script on his script. It's completely different. Um, I, I'm a, I like, uh, me, him, her was his directorial debut feature debut. Okay. Uh, it's fucking wild. It's super mm. weird. It's right. very Max Landis. Yeah. I like it. It's just super weird. Uh-huh. Um, I like Mr. Right with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick, but would I, is it possible for me to not like something with Sam Rockwell Some and Anna Kendrick, Kendrick right? right? Um, I'm trying to think of other projects people might know of him. Oh, big ones that we haven't mentioned. His YouTube stuff. Uh, the Death and Return of Superman mm-hmm. video he made on YouTube, which was kind of the first thing that he ever blew up from. Right. Which is a comic, or comic, is a YouTube video, what is it, like 45 minutes to an hour long, I think? Is, is it that long? Or is it third? no. His, his Death and Return of Superman pitch is 45 minutes. It's right. like 30 minutes, I think. Yeah. Um, where he basically got his friends and made a super low-budget reenactment. Yeah. And he's like... An explanation of the story, the Death and Return of Superman, and how the death of Superman killed death in comics. And because he's like, uh, you know, a son of like a famous Hollywood director, like he he's like kind of friends with people that you would know, that you would recognize. There's a dude from Critical it, Role in that. Isn't Foggy in it? Yeah. 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 Eldon Henson is in it. Yeah. Uh, Talison Jaffe from Critical Role is in it. So a lot of people in it. Uh, Elijah Wood's in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood is Superboy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like super goofy and parody, parodying the mm-hmm. story and also uh, like a like an insightful look at the comics and what yeah. it meant to the comic industry. And he did another one for wrestling called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, like professional wrestling. The slap. The slap like, oh, was one that weird. blew up, which was kind of weird because it was like a lot of it was just people like, I just like to see Max Landis get slapped. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's talk about this comic. Okay. Uh, so I went, I, going into this uh, comic, I sort of already knew uh, like from what you had said that like there was going to be a twist. It was going to be a twist that it was going to be like something that I couldn't really predict. Mm-hmm. And even after the first issue. So like after uh, each issue of this comic, there's like big, uh, letters from the fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like after the first issue, there's a letter from Max himself. And he says, he talks about like the image that basically the inspiration uh, where mm-hmm. it came from. Yeah. And yeah. then basically said, get ready. You don't know where yeah. this is going. Trust me. You're not going to know where this comes yeah. from. Um, when you first read this, how much of a 180 was that for you? Huge. I had no idea what was coming. Okay, so let's bring people into what Green Valley is. Do you want to So Green Valley starts. It's a 9-issue miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um the ninth issue is a double-size issue. Uh it starts as what seems to be just like a fantasy story about a small group of knights who are the these epic defenders of a kingdom. 
and this tragic event that befalls them at the end of the first issue. Uh, it's a spoiler episode, so we can say the the knights' names are uh, Bertwald, yeah, Bertwald, weird name, Ralphus, Gulliver, and Indrid. Mm-hmm. Um, Bertwald, at the end of the first issue, his uh, now fiance, they get engaged in the first issue, gets mur- murdered. She gets burned in a in a raid from these barbarians who well, like, they humiliated castle. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Their entire ransacked. city gets yeah. ransacked and they're basically the only survivors by the end, but they are, it's by these, this barbarian horde that they basically humiliated at the very beginning of the issue mm-hmm. in a fun sort of introduction to the characters. Really cool character introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that the first issue of yep. that, um, yeah, super fun, just really badass. <clears throat> yep. Um, but also just, I think that Max just has a great talent for, making characters sing quickly mm-hmm. like he right. he knows his characters and he's very good at portraying who they are very quickly i, I think that max also just has a knack for <clears throat> making things fun yeah um and like he can balance that really well with an emotional connection yeah it's it's not just uh you know a guy swinging swords you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's a uh, like in the, the very the, first issue, their you, friendship sings very strongly mm-hmm. in the first issue. Yeah, in the very first issue, and they and you know there's history between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's history between them, uh, and that you know this this older knight who's kind of like the 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 leading man yeah. in, the, in in this comic is like uh, sort of winding down. He's sort of on like on the back nine of his yep. knighthood, um, and he's kind of looking to settle down. So yeah. he you know settles down with this this woman um, i mean they Amalia. announce their marriage they they're they're partying and everything like that it's lit and it just it like <laughs> it is the most like it, it just sucks you in yeah. i fucking i definitely was like really sucked into mm-hmm. to her death as well as the just the ransacking of this entire castle the art in this um, comic is fucking dope mm-hmm. yeah like it's really yeah good. like the really good. that that image of when he's like naked and holding mm-hmm. her burned up body yeah and then the barbarian leader is like right there and he's mm. it's like it's so cool yeah um yeah so he also doesn't like there there is something kind of fun about like uh like a like a captain america kind of villain where that's like very two-dimensional and just very the like, barbarian guy yeah the barbarian well yeah is and very, yeah he's super two-dimensional but he yeah. also has almost no impact on the story outside of what he incites, right? Right. He never comes back mm-hmm. after the first issue. True. He's gone. He's just there to but kill it's still everything. Fun. It, yeah, like, it's, it's awesome. Not, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, he's just a, a one note, just evil fuck. Yeah. Um. And they like humiliate him early on in the in the yeah. in the issue, and then he's really scary. Yeah. Uh, Very imposing. I don't. So I didn't predict what was going to happen. But if you like, somehow predicted what happened, I'd be like, you, you've seen it before. So Somebody told here's, you. So in the first issue, like in, in the first like couple pages, the first mm-hmm. thing that I thought of was like, is this going to be like a Jumanji situation? I was like, is this going to be like, like uh, uh, because I was thinking of you while mm-hmm. I was reading it, I was like, is this going to be some type of like, like future D&D kind of thing where mm-hmm. like all these people are kind of like hacking into a matrix and playing together or something like that? Nope. Um, although that, but the artist like, does have a letter after the second issue where he talks about how D&D was a big inspiration exactly. for him yeah. exactly. and you can tell that it's just very yeah. D&D inspired like that first uh, like when they're coming which is the, weird because Max is, is on record as saying he doesn't think he would like D&D because he doesn't think he could relinquish power over a story mm-hmm. which I think is interesting right um, I 
So like I knew that there was going to be some kind of crazy amalgamation of something. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what he does. But yeah, it's because yeah. of what he does. And like my first thought was like, uh, so I had that kind of thought. And then I had, uh, and I think a majority of the reason why I was thinking that was because like there was just a lot of like modern kind of lingo and yeah dialogue. he doesn't but i think that's just max I, yeah that, that was just max the way yeah. that he writes yep um because like a lot of the characters they're not like they sometimes say medieval things but yeah. it's never he's not it's going not out of his way language. to be historically accurate with no. his language no it's, it's pretty he's doing a and modern he's doing a pop idea of how knights would talk yeah on purpose it's the it's it's what the comic is yeah and i think in the after you read the last issue if you look through the letters there's something where he says uh, we made this an epic, crazy, rated R Disney movie, and that's what I wanted it to be. And that's right. a great explanation of what mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, like, but I, I kind of <clears throat> felt like there was going to be some kind of modern interference. Okay. Like, so like that, that was sort of already in my head. So like, so when time travel came in. So once, once time travel comes in, you'll, so uh, after these guys are completely broken down, uh, this is like a year after their mm-hmm. entire yeah, castle two ransacked. starts a year later. Um, and and again, four, the Knights of Colodia. Colodia, yes. Yeah, the Knights of Colodia um, are like sort of down on the, they're like slugs it, Again, now. it starts with just another really great series of character interaction. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. how the year... Their failures and then the year alone has sort of graded their relationship with yeah. each other. And especially yeah. Indrid, the young one, yeah. is like, he wants to get back out there. And they're, but like all of them are kind of basically like shades of themselves, especially your leading guy. Especially Bertwald. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Bertwald. Um, Bertwald. Yeah. Bertwald. Bertie. And, uh, yeah, so they they basically get their their call to action. This mm-hmm. this, this young kid, kid rides Percival. up on a horse and says, "Hey, you know, my I got this, uh, He's this like, castle. Yo, my, my village is being attacked by dragons and a wizard." Yeah, and they're like, so, which I love because when you're reading it, you take it in stride because yeah, the next, like, the, it's not until the next flip of the page mm-hmm. when you find out that this isn't real. Like yeah. they're like that; those things don't exist. Exactly, dragons and wizards aren't real, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, so this is like. Not really fantasy. It's mm-hmm. a fantasy world. It's, it's just, just a medieval, medieval time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah which, which which was cool because it's so easy to buy into that mm-hmm. because of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, um, and just because of the the, the lore Lord of the of Rings, yeah. all these things yeah. that we sort of when we that think influence. of yeah. Um, and plus, there was like stories of this guy slaying, slaying dragons. Dra- yeah, already. people, he, and he would but tell. But he was just a liar. Yeah, yeah. Gulliver, Gulliver's great character. Yeah, G- Gulliver's cool. Yeah. I like. I mean, I like all of the characters. There's a lot yeah. of really cool characters in this comic. But, um, so, you find out that the wizard is this basically punk ass bitch. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's a millennial criminal. Yes, like he's yes. he's a. A, a young guy from 2035 yep. that somehow stole a time machine, a time machine. Um, and is going like time hopping around time uh, and stealing shit, living like a king. Yep. Uh, and then fucking bringing shit back from time making and uber money and then just making a, a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, uh, his name, they call him Cyril the Black, which uh, is like a cool dark yeah. wizard name. And then you find his is name is Cyril Doug- or Cyril. Cyril or Cyril. I don't know. I, I, C-Y-R-I-L. I C-Y-R-I-L. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you find out his name is Douglas Christie. He's <laughs> just a bitch. Um, he's another one. Like he's kind of two dimensional as a villain, but it's like 
the story isn't about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, well, there, there's no like, <clears throat> I think that as two dimensional as he is, like you don't see like, like you don't empathize with his character, but you still, it's still a good character. No, like, no, I'm not saying character. he's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying like the story isn't about like fleshing out the villain and why he's doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. It's literally why, Hey, why is he doing that? Cause he's a dick. Mm -hmm. That's, they literally say that when, uh, when we meet some future people, they're like, yeah, he's like a psychopath. He's just right. a, he's a thief. Yeah. Um, but have you ever thought about that before though? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? What? Like if you, ha if you brought a, a, a cell phone back to like medieval times, they it would think work. that you're a wizard. The cell phone wouldn't work. Yeah. You wouldn't have cell towers. You wouldn't have Wi-Fi. You would have electricity for, you know, for an minutes. hour on, yeah. with my phone for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. People would think that you were some kind of exactly. God or wizard yeah. or something. Yeah. If you brought forms of technology. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so let's talk about this image. So uh, you mentioned the letters. One of the things Max mentions in one of the letters is that this whole story was came out from an image he thought of. Mm -hmm. And he basically was like, thought of it and was like, that has to exist. Mm -hmm. And he looked all over the internet trying to find it. Right. And what, and he was like, oh, it's, it's not there. I can't find it. Yeah. Is this an actual thing that I thought of that doesn't exist? And then it's an issue eight. And I don't know if you know which one it is. No, I don't. The image is Gulliver riding his horse with his lance attacking the T-Rex. Oh. That's the image that inspired him. Hmm. Uh, which is like, it seems like. I was wondering what the image when, was. In the context of the story, it seems kind of mundane, right? You're like. It's just a, a cool moment in the story. But that is what sparked everything. Well, it's really important for Gulliver's character. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. huge. It's a huge character moment for Gulliver. Yeah. But, like, in terms of what's happening at that point, it's not the craziest thing going on. Oh, no, no, no. Right? No. So, like, the fact that that image sparked what became Green Valley is so interesting to me. Right. And, like, that isn't even, like, the character that we link to the no. most. He created a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Yeah, definitely. I didn't know what the, the image was. Yeah. Um, I thought it might have been like the barbarian. The I thought it was at first, mm -hmm. but then he says in one of the letters to fans, he's like, it's an issue eight. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, because the way the letter is written, it makes it seem like it was in issue one. Right. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Because that was the last image of yeah, issue exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. And then you read that letter. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, that barbarian uh, reminded me a lot of uh, fucking, um, what is it, Twin Blade from Fable. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a, he's a, like one of the bosses. In you Fable you are a big Fable 1 fan. You know Fable it. much better than I do. You've played Love Fable it. several times. Yeah, dude. Um, so, I mean, we're basically, we've basically just been recapping the story. Mm -hmm. Basically, what ends up happening is um, the knights, well, Indrid dies in like issue yeah. two or three. Yeah. Uh, he gets blasted with lightning by, by Cyril the Black or Cyril the Black. Mm -hmm. Um, and basically we find that he has like some kind of pad that he can do weird shit. He's got technology. Yeah. He also has a gun. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, basically through the events of trying to stop this dude, we find out that he is a danger to the entire universe because if he jumps one more time, his ship is broken. He's been collecting metal. If he can fix the ship and jump one more time, there's a good chance that all of time will just rip apart. Mm -hmm. And there's these like time cops from the future basically and during a confrontation with the villain, Bertwald gets brought to the future. Yeah. And I love that scene. That's I fun. love the balance of them trying to explain time travel and technology to mm -hmm. this dude. Yeah. And I love that he's like smart enough to pick up on it. Right. He like figures it out in his own way. Mm -hmm. Like 
you could go back to like 99% of people from the medieval era and pull them into the future and try to do that in the time frame they had. Mm-hmm. What was probably accumulated like three minutes. Yeah. No one would figure it out. It's yeah. like impossible to comprehend. Mm-hmm. Most people would just go nuts. Mm-hmm. But he's like a smart enough dude that he's like, he can contextualize it and make his own reasoning of it and be like, okay, I, I, I realize what needs to happen. And not only that, but he realizes the opportunity that he has selfishly, which I think is another great moment in mm-hmm. the story when at the final confrontation with the villain, it is Bertwald, his best friend, Ralphus, who was like his second in charge. They used to be rivals and Ralphus joined him. Mm-hmm. And there's this moment where, uh, Bertwald traps Ralphus outside the room so that he can make Christie bring him back in time to save Amalia and save their kingdom. Even though he knows that doing so could destroy all of time. Mm-hmm. So he makes the selfish decision in that moment. And then we find out later on that the reason he told Gulliver and Ralphus everything, the truth, was because he needed them to stop him. Mm-hmm. And even though they kind of fail at stopping him because he's the best, like he's the goat knight. Yeah. He's the best knight ever. <laughs> uh, through the through happenstance, sort of what happens, Ralphus gets sent back in time. And again, even though he fails to do anything in the moment before he gets, because the way time travel rules work in this story is he gets ripped back to his own time, mm-hmm. uh, like against his will. Uh, his arrival is enough to trigger an entire change of the timeline and what happened. Mm-hmm. So what are like what are what are things you didn't like? Okay. Um like the the more I think about it the like the less I'm bothered by it, but mm-hmm. like there is like I can understand and this is like kind of goes along with like the sort of logic uh thing, like logic the rapper. Yeah. Um how people will kind of say like, you know, uh they can perceive his creativity as fleeting mm-hmm. um because like he kind of We'll we'll fall back on on certain crutches or whatever, right? So like, um, he says uh, Beretta a lot. Villain is villainous or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> and, and Max kind of has that with the sort of like amalgamation of two things. You know, like he's like, oh well, I could just take this and this. Um, so like a lot of his work ends up just kind of being uh, the, the 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 product of that kind of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I would, I don't think that like I've ever at least read something that that he had a lot of control over that or that, that was the essence of him mm-hmm. and wasn't super fun. Yeah. Just number one is it's always fun. Yeah. Number two, I think is that it always has strong characters. Yeah. Strong His characters stuff is and, so and character driven. Uh, yeah. Uh, resonating characters. Yeah. Um, so I loved that. I would say like the number one problem for me was the fact that the ending kind of undermines the message. Okay. So what would you say the message is? All right. So I would say that the message, um, at least what, what I was getting from the, mm-hmm. the, the moral of this story, um, because, uh, uh, uh Birchwald, mm-hmm. uh, makes that decision. He knows that he, like, he's going to be in this situation where he's going to want to go back in time, yep. but he needs his friends to stop him mm-hmm. because he's not going to be able to stop himself. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. It's, it's really great. cool. It, uh, it reminded me a lot of the, the, the whole willpower thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, who was it? Fucking that, she, that, uh, 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 roped himself to the willpower. 
<laughs> that roped himself to the the mast uh, so that he wouldn't oh, get drawn oh, to the uh, Jason. It was it wasn't Jason though. I think it was. Uh, it's one of those Uli- Greek. No, was, uh, one Ulysses. of those Greek dudes. Yeah, Ulysses. 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 Um, but he tied himself to S. the mast. Grant. Yeah, U.S. President. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really wait. Was it Odysseus? That. Huh? Oh, is that, is that the Odyssey? Might have been Odysseus. I don't know. Well, one of those two. Um, I know that in Percy Jackson, Annabeth does it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so, I fucking lost track here. You're telling me the moral of the story. Okay. So the yeah. moral of the story, I thought that um, he, when you go into the future and they, they've kind of like resolved all the conflict mm-hmm. and he, he explains like, to them like, yeah, you guys had to stop me in order mm-hmm. to, uh, he was like, you can't go back on the past. Like the memories are, are just memories. And like, yeah, they've, if, he's accepted it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And then like you find out like a few pages on. See, I think I super disagree with you about this. Really? Cause I think that the moment you're talking about when okay. he tells them, when he says, the past, like you, you have to keep the past in the past and you have to find a way to move on, mm-hmm. which I think is what the story is about. I think the story is about them finding themselves again, mm-hmm. recovering from this horrible tragedy, right? Okay. And finding it in each other. Right. And then great character work of what you're talking about with this moment of, of Bertwald realizing that he needs Ralphus and Gulliver to stop him from making the selfish decision. Mm-hmm. And then when they, when they win, he's like, thank you force trying to stop me like I, that's why I told you everything that's what we needed I needed because I knew I wasn't strong enough to do it myself and there was also another great moment that was a kind of callback of Ralphus being like I promise I swore to follow you until you showed that you couldn't make the right decision mm-hmm. and he says there's a moment where he's like you're no longer fit to lead yeah, I love cool. that moment cool. um a lot but, of really dope moments yeah yeah um but to me, like that was the moral. That was like the characters learning their lesson and accepting. And then the end of the comic is the reward. They are rewarded for their deeds and their uh, their decisions and their their ability mm-hmm. to confront each other and their own flaws are right. then rewarded with basically right. a reset. Yeah. So to, to me, the reward was just that knowledge. That was just the yeah, knowledge but like, of accepting. That's like being like, hey, you get a reward and it kind of sucks. But Well, I think that reflects uh, <clears throat> on both of us as human beings. True. I th- because <laughs> I think, uh, well, you you uh, constantly think that I'm like sort of negative. like, mm-hmm. I, And I like uh, sort of tragic endings. I mean, I like to but joke about it. that's not true at all. I like, like to joke about it. Like, well, like. If an ending is just tragic, like it's just uh, this isn't. You know, it this wouldn't. Fall. If it ended right there, it wouldn't have been a tragic ending. No, he, the thing is, I like bittersweet endings. I, mm-hmm. I like endings that can make me feel uh, two conflicting things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like the, I think that there is a, a value in uh, in having endings like that in our stories. I think that you know, especially if you've if you've gone through something tragic, if you've lost a loved one, mm-hmm. right? Like. Uh, and even just thinking about, um, like me losing Kate, mm-hmm. like the fucking, like yeah. I, every time I read a story and someone loses a loved one, that's the inst- like, that's yeah. where my mind instantly goes, you know? So like I completely was with, uh, Bertwald, Bertwald when he made that decision to go back and yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, I think, I think most people are like, I get yeah. it. Even if you're like, obviously you can't know whether mm-hmm. or not you would make that decision. Exactly. Right. But I think anyone reading this story would be like, I get it. 
Mm-hmm. I totally get what he's right. doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can empathize with the decision. And yeah. And I, I, and I don't think that I could have made a different decision. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there was like such a, uh, it, that, that just that message, that like simple message, um, that like, wasn't very, um, it, it, it's not very profound, but mm-hmm. I don't think that, well, I mean, it's not very original, I would say, but like it's profoundness, uh, isn't robbed by its unoriginality. Mm-hmm. Um, like just because it's been said before, doesn't make it any less important of a message. Listen, man, and if people listen to what you're saying right now, Avengers Endgame won't happen. So I have to discredit you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I just, I, I really liked that message and I, I felt like I was like kind of robbed of just like that, that bittersweet ending. I would have yeah. really enjoyed that. I, I, I would I'm I would have been down for that ending and I really I like the ending they use. I think right. both would work and do work. Right. Yeah. Um What are your like your so we've obviously talked about how like the characters are the favorite. What do you have any like favorite moments that we haven't talked about yet? Um Man, I just I I, I like all, like pretty much all of the the character establishing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that I kind of Eh, no, I mean that kind of <laughs> like as, as as I'm thinking through it, I'm like, no, they kind of tie that off well. Um, no, I think that I think we kind of addressed it. Do you yeah. have any? Uh, I think I think just like each character has their sort of. I love that each character gets their moment, right? Uh huh. Like Gulliver gets the moment where he becomes the Dragon Slayer. Uh huh. It's great. Yeah. And that's after like the first, and we keep saying dragon. They're dinosaurs. It's dinosaurs, not yeah. dragons. Dinosaurs brought from the past yeah, they have, to, yeah, to yeah, the medieval the, times. The, the wizard, uh, this yeah. millennial douchebag from 2035, like is br- basically just bringing in raptors yeah. and a, a that he has T-Rex. like brain chips on or something. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that's like after when they fight the raptors and he basically just panics and Burtwald has to save him. Mm-hmm. Then he later is able to overcome his fears and he gives up. He has that moment mm-hmm. where he gives up and he yells at those kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good moment. Uh, I, yeah, I think we basically talked about, I would say like one of my favorite things, like I, I don't know what it was about this, about the call to action. It was just so like by the book, by the numbers, but like for some reason, the lead up to it, I just bought in so hard. You the mean when they were living in see, like the ruined remains of the kingdom not, not just that well like that part of the story le- you're talking leading about? up to that and obviously like ev- everything leading up to that helped issue um, one basically yeah, yeah yeah issue one like uh helped us uh we knew reson- the characters the, the, yeah we knew the characters and they resonated with mm-hmm. us more and that made the call to action even better right but um the the this kid saying that there's wizard that there's a wizard with dragons and shit mm-hmm. right and then we get to like that when that there's that the very end of huh? the issue you're talking about? No, I'm, t- I'm t- like when you see Green Valley for the first time mm-hmm. and there's all that lightning. Yeah, that's the end of the issue. And they show that like that hole in the sky. Yeah, that fuck. I love it's that moment. Cool. Yeah, because you because they've made us believe that it's impossible, mm-hmm. right? And then they get there and you see that there's crazy shit happening, yeah. and you're like, what is there actually? When you know, when I first read it, I was like, oh, there must actually be a wizard. Right. Like that's what I thought when I first read it. Yeah. It's, it's not a wizard. Mm-hmm. It's a time traveling douche. <laughs> it's way less cool than a wizard. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
we're, we got to wrap this quick. I feel like we're going to run out of space soon. Yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend checking this out. I would also recommend American Alien if people haven't read that, his other comic, his Superman comic he wrote. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, another Max Project didn't mention. Dirk Gently is a good show. <laughs> um, anything else that you want to add before we wrap it? No, dog. It was a good, it was a good comic. Yeah. How do we read it? Good we comic. should do uh, more stuff like more this. More comic stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. This has been the Chris and Kyle show. He's Chris. I'm Kyle. ChrisMichaelStott.com. Check out Chris's scripts. ChrisMichaelStott on Instagram. Find me Davinwell25. Twitter and Instagram. The show, The Chris and Kyle Show on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on all podcasting platforms. Like, share, rate, leave some reviews, all that fun stuff. Pod on Twitter. We will be back next week with your brother's reward for winning the bracket challenge. We'll be watching Blue Chips and doing a spoiler episode on that. So we'll see you for that. We look forward to it. It's been fun. We out. We out. Stay weird. Stay weird.